0: Hello and welcome to the IWA Invasive Species Podcast. You join us today in sunny Inverkeithing, where it's about eight degrees, which is un- unnaturally warm for this time of year, although it does feel much colder than that. So we've got a log fire on the go and cups of tea at the ready. I'm joined today with my, by my colleague, Jed Van Hagen, uh, project officer at IWA. Good morning. And Jed has a vicious cold, so if he sounds like he's <laughs> drowning in uh, a puddle, then he may well be in just a puddle of his own mucus, which oh is dear. not particularly nice you know to think about, but it's part of this time of year, I suppose, just everyone suffering colds. So uh, we're going to try and keep this lighthearted today as we talk about um, a subject we hold very dear to our hearts, which is Japanese knotweed, the most invasive species in the UK as far as the media are concerned. And today we're going to focus on winter Japanese knotweed and what what effect Japanese knotweed has on properties at, uh, over the colder months and how it can be identified and what steps should be taken to mitigate the the impact Japanese knotweed can have on a property. So to begin with, um, Jed, how would you describe the appearance of Japanese knotweed at this time of year? Well, Japanese knotweed has been a big part of my life for the last what, six years, and you even
1: longer. So I'd be happy to share lots of my knowledge with you today. The appearance this time of year is, in terms of stature, the same as it would have been when it was growing vigorously in the summer. Only all the green leaves have now gone. You're left with some. Reddish brown sticks, a former a shell of its former a glorious self, but these can be particularly fragile and uh, easily knocked down by weather or human activity. So you can't rely on always having a a large stand of dead stems to mark the area of Japanese knotweed. The the overall appearance will be the same as it was, noduled uh, nodes, uh, sort of bamboo like appearance to the untrained eye. Uh, Depending on whether it was this year's or previous years, it could be in general states of uh, degradation, broken down and fragmented, or still brittle, dark brown, reddish in colour.
0: Okay, and uh, one thing I've noticed recently being on site um, in the centre of Scotland was that some of the buds um, of new growth have, have started to appear on the crowns. As It won't be all that long before new stems appear and uh yeah, there's the race every
1: year for any kind of anybody in the knotweed industry to spot the first growth of the year yeah it, it, it comes back by fortnight every year so i think it was probably end of february uh, or yeah maybe when we first started looking at this and then you know start of february and, but next thing it'll be knotweed takes about three weeks off between the start of december and, <laughs> and
0: christmas day yeah. and then it's back <laughs> on it again Oh, yeah, I wouldn't, be surprised if I wouldn't be surprised if there's already photos online on social media saying, "Oh my goodness, look at this Japanese knotweed that's come up in London." Yeah, which is already two years true. ago. Though, yeah. So. <laughs> so that brings us on to issues. Uh, you've already mentioned that the knotweed can be the, the stems can be knocked over or sort of cleared away by people quite easily, um, and this is certainly something we've seen on many many occasions. Is People do garden clearance work over the winter, and they don't necessarily know what plant species they have in their garden, so they end up clearing dead Japanese knotweed stems away. And there's no real problem with that as long as the stems are dead. But what tends to happen is people accidentally remove some of the crown material, and the crown may still be alive. And if there are if there are buds on that, then they can end up accidentally spreading Japanese knotweed into compost heaps or uh, into recycling bins that then get taken away. We've also had the misfortune of seeing, or rather we've not directly had misfortune. The, some of our clients and people that we've worked with have had the misfortune of buying properties that have had Japanese knotweed appear out of nowhere seemingly in springtime. And uh, it's been a result of uh, deliberate Removal of dead material or or hiding uh, Japanese knotweed so that property sales can go through without surveyors picking up on it. Don't know if you want to elaborate on that, yeah. any Jed? Yeah, I don't think I want to uh, be
1: too quick to get the pitchforks out and accuse anybody of uh, covering things up. But w- w- whether there's uh, sinister motives or not, uh, people, when they're selling a property, want to make it look as good as they possibly can. And when it comes to things mm. like uh, a little bit of work in the garden can go a long way in you know making a, a property look much more presentable. And that's the kind of thing that can make somebody who'll fall in love with the place. You don't want to see a, a garden full of work. You want to see something in a nice manicured state. And that can also well, obviously involve getting rid of some uh, what you might think are just innocuous canes at the the bottom of the garden um, but that can have dire consequences and implications for future owners especially when they're not aware of the, the issue um, and quite often you hear this kind of thing about people aren't on the lookout for Japanese not we, because it's not the kind of thing that people ever really encounter in day to day life unless they've been unfortunate enough to have had a, an issue in the past So, when the things start to surface in springtime, and you might think, oh, what's the look of this uh, exotic looking plant? Uh, And then that's when people head to Google to try and find some information. And quite often, you can get an awful lot of spurious information. But if you find your way to a reputable source and then find out that it is Japanese knotweed, then what's somebody to do in that situation? You know, you may be to get a specialist company out and, and have a survey done, but then you're still left having to resolve this. And as soon as you're made aware, if you're, you know, getting quotes or surveys done, then that's obviously showing that you're aware of the issue. Um, that would be something that would be an issue if somebody had a survey done and then there was, it mysteriously vanished before the sale of the property. Yeah. Then you could say something, uh, sinister was going on. But, um, either way, it's uh, an issue that has to be resolved by the owner once it's, uh, once it's uncovered. And, uh, and that's something that people most definitely want to avoid, especially if it's your first property or any property really, um, with the amount of, people's money and people's savings that go into a property these days the idea of having a, you know having life savings doesn't really exist you know your whole net worth of life savings are mostly majority of that's in your property so if you're in a situation as we've seen time and time again where yeah. um, your liquidity your your life savings are tied up in your property and then you can't sell that, or can't realise the true potential value of the property because of an issue like Japanese knotweed, for example. If a, a buyer isn't able to secure a mortgage, um, this can affect. Obviously, this can affect the, uh, the number of buyers are offering on your property, or can are lodging yeah. offers in, and then that affects the the value. So, this is something that people want to make sure they can protect themselves against. And the first stage of resolving the issue is identifying it.
0: Yeah, so what we're going to do is we're going to make things easier for people. If anyone's um, looking for further information on Japanese knotweed, we're going to put a whole lot of links in on our website uh, that will relate to the information in this podcast. Then if anyone needs any additional guidance, then just feel free to email us info at uk. So to go back to Japanese knotweed affecting property sales, We've encountered a few sites where uh, potential sellers have had Japanese knotweed flagged up on a home report and then they've had it, they've had the idea that they wanted to get rid of any mention of Japanese knotweed on uh, following home report, so that they could sell the property, you know, basically pulling the wool over the eyes of the purchaser. So uh, this definitely goes on. There was one particular site, um, out near Dalkeith, where someone uh, asked us to come out, confirm there was Japanese knotweed there. We did a report, we did a quote, and then we never heard any more from them. And sure enough, the property was put back on the market with a large compost heap covering the area of Japanese knotweed. And it's really difficult when you get a situation like that because there there doesn't seem to be uh, any protocol to follow or any anyone that really cares too much to take action uh, against these uh, unscrupulous sellers so hopefully going forward as the awareness builds of Japanese knotweed maybe surveyors will do slightly more thorough surveys or invasive surveys you know more detailed uh, looking very closely at the land or hopefully some form of contract where whereby, if should Japanese knotweed emerge on a property within a given amount of time, there might be some recourse, um, some action being able to be taken. That was, that's that's why. Uh, if you think about, about something, the, the parallels between Japanese knotweed and
1: things like dry rot, wet rot, woodworm, this kind of thing, there is a remissions period after the purchase of a property where there is a, a comeback for a for a buyer, where if something's been actively covered up. Like a, an issue like damp or, or, or dry rot something like that, um, that then the uh, the buyer can then get back in touch with the the seller and look for some sort of compensation like this. And this is the kind of thing that should be happening with Japanese not but because it's such an infrequent issue, uh, there isn't, as you say, the same sort of protocols in place. So really, at this point, there's very little that a seller, a sorry, a buyer can do if they're in this situation. And often it doesn't. Uh, make itself aware until as we said months down the line into the into the early growing season, and even then it can go uh, unidentified for for several months or even years, depending mm-hmm. on uh what happens in the garden if there's renovations being done or if you know for any reason there was uh, somebody has spotted it a neighbor points out something like that um so really it's vitally important that people are aware of the issue and can identify themselves, if people can do even just a, a cursory check of their own gardens and flag up potential issues, not knotweed obviously being the, the most important one uh, in terms of the, the potential cost implications of having an issue going forward. There is a wealth of information on the internet, not just our site, but everything on japaneseknotweed.com has uh, enough information there for anybody to with no history in, uh, in knowledge of plants or anything like that, to identify uh, a plant in any stage of growth uh, from this time of year, where all you have is a, you know, a, a pretty lightluster group of uh, dark brown canes, or from a small bud um, all the way to a fully grown plant.
0: Like going forward, uh, there needs to be some, some tighter monitoring of people hiding. Uh, Or potentially hiding Japanese knotweed Or spreading it around On a wider scale than than just gardens There are many, many cases of people Spreading Japanese knotweed Either deliberately or through lack of care And there's very little prosecution There's really not much is being done about it I don't think anyone wants to take responsibility Or perhaps it's a lack of knowledge a, a lack of awareness of the issues that it can cause, but when when people's properties are being devalued by this plant, then and it has such a huge impact on individuals rather than say large corporations or something. I think uh, more has to be done. So that's part of the reason we're doing these podcasts is to try and raise awareness. Uh, we've been doing seminars and presentations on Japanese knotweed for many years now in a bid to encourage individuals to learn more about it so that they don't get caught out or they they can you know give some friendly advice to their to friends and family and things so that they similarly don't get caught out by the unscrupulous sellers or the sort of ill-minded gardeners who may be just pulling up and chucking in compost heaps this takes us on to the kind of final section of this podcast what we'll be what we're planning to do is some more podcasts on invasive species over the winter months to help people identify plants despite the fact there may be very limited vegetation for them to to spot but there's always there are always clues available on the basis that no one's actually hiding the the plants so we're going to look at in the next podcast we're going to look at giant hogweed and then Going further forward with Japanese knotweed, we'll we'll bring a springtime podcast soon with plenty of information on what Japanese knotweed looks like in spring and things to consider, steps to take to make sure that you don't accidentally spread it or move it around. And uh, we thank you very much for listening. And if you'd like to get in touch with us, please feel free to email us. On the email address infoweeds.org.uk. I'd like to thank my colleague Jed for joining me today and making a Always mean a cup pleasure. of tea. <laughs> and uh, we'll catch you next time.